You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. I always love to ask this. I have been uh, speaking and performing for over 32 years now, which is insane. And having said that, though, and I can give you a resume, and that just really doesn't matter. How many of you right here, right now, have never seen me before in your entire life? Raise your hands. That is so awesome, because I've never seen you before either. So we're on the same page. And I just want to encourage you this morning with a piece of my life. Now, yes, uh, my living, what I do for a living is stand-up comedy, and I've done it for 32 years and won awards and been on Comedy Central and Netflix and Amazon Prime and all that. But what I want to share this morning, I'll be sharing a lot of that fun on date night in a few weeks. And if you just need a good laugh, and or I would even encourage you to start thinking about who in your world needs a good laugh, you be thinking about bringing them to date night. It is going to be the funniest night of your year, I guarantee it, and it is going to be a blast. This morning, though, I want to just share a piece of my personal life and what what joy really looks like. And I'm so thankful for the worship that set this morning. Would you all give them a hand again for leading us in worship? That was awesome. Because he won't let us down. Um, Five years, 11 months, one week, and four days ago. How many of you remember where you were? I I will never forget. And, And I don't blame you for not knowing that. But on that day, five years, 11 months, one week, and four days ago, my heart physically stopped for over two hours. And I'm still alive. And I just want to just share kind of the essentials of God's truth in the abundant life. So how, how can your heart stop and you go through a catastrophic physical effect and, and still say, I'm experiencing the abundant life? Because Jesus says, I came that you have life and life abundantly. And I can tell you the three essentials that I grasped through that experience are the same that no matter what we're going through is the key to experiencing joy and abundance and, and freedom. And if we're not experiencing abundance and joy and hope and freedom, one of these three is missing in activeness in our lives. So I just want to encourage you in that this morning. The first, let me just say, give you the background to it. I've got to go, yes, my heart stopped for two hours. I've got to back up a couple weeks. Um, I was feeling a little fatigued, a little run down, which was very normal when I came off the road from a long tour. But this wasn't going away, and I couldn't put my finger on it. We're having dinner with our friends, Ryan, and, and, and he's my doctor. And I said, dude, can I come by? You run some tests, and just tell me I'm getting old. And so he said, sure, come on by. I'll work you in. I sat there. He worked me in. He did the test. He said, Ken, you're, you're old. That's what it is. He said, but there's this one test. It's a calcification scan. Costs about 100 bucks. Um, you, you don't qualify for it because you got to have one of these 10 and you have none of them. Um, but I'll prescribe it if you want to do that. And I said, would you do that? So I do the scan. And I'm about to walk on stage in Birmingham, Alabama at Sanford University, sold out show. And three minutes before I'm walking on stage, my buddy Ryan calls. He goes, hey, man. He says, what are you up to? I said, well, I got a show tonight. He says, well, you got a minute? And I said, I got about three And he said, "Uh, I got the results back from your test. He says, do you want to hear them? I'm like, yeah. Now, what came next was he said, um, remember I told you um, the the scales were 0 to 20 is the scale of this test. He said, "Uh, yours um, was, was not. 
And I said, was not what? I'm thinking it's the worst. It's 20 or whatever. And he's just trying to soften the blow. He said, yours, yours was 697. And I'm like, I thought you said 20 was the worst. He said, it is. Do you want me to read you the comments from the lab? And I said, yes. And I wish I had not. He said, this heart is in the bottom 2% of all hearts. A cardiac episode is imminent. Now try to go be funny after that news, right? And so I'm telling him, like, should I go to the ER? What should I do? He says, no. He said, just see a cardiologist when you get home, and I'll, pers- I'll, I'll recommend one. And he did, and, and it, it was not good. And I'm thinking, this, this is terrible. Now, I went to the cardiologist. The next two weeks would be a progression of getting worse news. But on that day, the day I was supposed to do a stress test, because the cardiologist is like, man, this is not making sense. He said, if, if you got this number, you should be a chain smoker, an alcoholic, and be 500 pounds overweight. And I was like, and yet I'm not. And he said, yeah, you look, and this was the insult. He says, you look like you might work out. And I was like, I mean, might work? I work out five days a week, you know, and I'm just like, I'm doing everything right. And I've done everything right. I'm working out five days a week. I'm eating right. I'm doing everything right. And here's the deal. We can do everything right and things still go wrong. I don't know if you've ever experienced that in any area of life. But it's just not right. It's not fair. I go to the stress test. They immediately take me off and they do the, the, the echo and they lay me down. They're like, okay, just relax. I'm like, I am. And they're like, no, okay. okay. And they start scrambling around and start freaking out. They're like, just, just relax. Just relax. I'm like, I am. And they said, okay, well, and, and then they run out and they call the doctor and they come back and they say, you just, you just got to calm down. I said, I was until you keep talking like that. And the doctor came in, he says, Ken, something's really wrong with your heart. We need to do something immediately. And I said, what's immediate? He said, what are you doing tomorrow morning? And I said, what are you doing tomorrow morning? And, and I show up and I got a little calf scar from where they went in and they took a look at my heart. They woke me up 10, no, about 20 minutes into that procedure. And, he, and the cardiologist said something you never want to hear a cardiologist say. He said, Ken, I'm so sorry. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing you need to do? And he's like, no, there's nothing I can do. There's so much blockage. We're moving you right now into the CCU unit. You're on an emergency list to have open heart surgery. And I would go in, and I would have 18 hours of time to think through that. I did not know it until after the surgery, but Dr. Menina, the thoracic surgeon, had come in and seen my wife. Well, they were doing some pre-op stuff for me, and he said, Mrs. Kington, um, are your affairs in order? And she said, yes. And she goes, tell me what's going on. And he said, all four of his major arteries are over 99% blocked. Now, I don't know if you're good with math or not. There's not a lot left after 99%. And now that, that number of 697 and 99% blocked, my wife said, how is that possible? And he said, Miss Kington, I have no idea how your husband's alive right now. I can't tell you he's going to make it to the surgery, much less through the surgery. And now some of you are looking concerned, so I want to spoil the ending for you. I made it, okay? So you can, you can relax and take in the lessons that I learned from this. Dr. Myung would tell me afterwards, he said, Ken, I had your chest open. And I stopped and I told my, my team, why is that heart beating? And I said, we don't know. And he says, there's no reason you should be alive. You should have died about eight months ago. You should have a massive heart attack, and there's no way you would survive. And, and what he told me next is actually the title, and I'll tell you the book in a minute, but 
as I went through that process, I learned, and as I reflected back while I was recovering, I learned there are three essentials to experiencing life to the fullest. And this was in the, the worst physical time of my life. And the first one I learned in the hospital before that, and that was that prayer matters. Prayer matters. I had shared at church, hey guys, um, I'm feeling a little fatigued. I got this test. It's a horrible result. Will you pray for me? I believe with all my heart that that prayer sustained me to where I could have the surgery to be able to get through that. I believe that prayer sustains. And some of the two of the verses that really became near and dear to my heart, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ear is attentive to their prayers. 1 Peter 5. I'm sorry, 1 Peter 3, 12. Another one that just, I, I asked people, hey, will you pray for me? My wife said, will you pray for Ken? She sent it out through social media, and within hours, thousands of people were praying for me in that situation. Now, I do not pretend to understand everything about prayer. After looking at it and experiencing it over time, here are two facts that I, I believe to be true, that we are to pray boldly. And we are to be like children. Jesus made it very clear. You come as a child or you don't come at all. Children will ask for a pony in the backyard. They ask boldly. And that we are to trust completely. Ask boldly, trust completely. So I said, please pray. And people did. I had hundreds, if not thousands, between emails and texts of people praying. And I'll never forget, out of all those, I'm sitting there just overwhelmed with encouragement, except for a few. There were about three or four, and those are the ones I returned the text to. They said, hey, we're thinking about you. And I, I text them back. I said, hey, I, I appreciate the thoughts, but uh, you can think about me later. Go ahead and pray for me now. Because I don't want to get to heaven and Jesus go, yeah, I'm really sorry, nobody asked. You know, I, did, I don't want that experience. I want people asking and asking boldly. And I realize this too. He says, I love this in Isaiah 65. Somebody sent me this one. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I hear. God is in the middle of where we are and what we're going through. And I believe it was the power of prayer combined with the way God chose to answer those prayers in my situation that not only was I sustained to it, but sustained through it. I'll never forget being there. They told me beforehand a, a couple thoughts. Um, <laughs> they said, uh, Ken, so I, I come out and they said, hey, um, you, need to just, you need to realize that you've been through an experiencely traumatic experience. Um, and you're going to, because we had to stop your heart for over two hours in order to do this procedure, and you're on bypass, but you're gonna have some level of memory loss. And I remember panicking. I remember going, what do you mean? Now I know God has got a sense of humor, because only God can take panic to, to joy in an instant. I'm panicked going, oh my good, okay, my wife's name's Heather, my kids are Graham and Cody and Kennedy, and, and I'm severe panic. And I'm like, Lord, I wish they would have told me this before the procedure. And in the whisper of his spirit in my heart, God, God just made me laugh. He said, well, maybe they did, and you just don't remember. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, I needed that right now. Thank you so much. But that idea of prayer means something. And then they told me, Ken, you're going to be in CCU, basically the ICU for the heart, for between three to five days. 
the most will be seven. Then we're going to move you to a regular room for three to five. The most will be seven. The least you'll be here is about a week, and the most you'll be here is about two weeks. Day one, I wake up, and they say the first day is the worst day after open heart surgery, and I will attest to that. They give you a little heart-shaped pillow, and they're like, if you feel discomfort, just squeeze the, just hug the pillow, hug it, just hug it, and, and that does help. It does, unless you sneeze, and a few of you understood that just there, but let me just tell you, um, no pillow helps. If you want to know what that feels like, take any pillow, just hold it to your test, chest, and then take a butcher knife and stab yourself through the, the, through the pillow. That's what it felt like. I remember praying, God, if that ever is going to happen again, will you please kill me right before it? Because I never want to experience that pain again. And, and I remember just getting very real and honest with God through this process. But they told me I'm going to be there for that long. Day one, I'm eating for the first time afterwards. And the doctor came in and I said, um, hey, uh, I said, how's it going? And he said, well, he had this perplexed look on his face. I'm like, oh, no. And he said, I, 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 I don't know how to describe this, but you're, you're where most people are about two weeks after this surgery. We're moving you to a regular room today. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. I didn't realize how odd that was. I get to the regular room the next day. The next day, by the end of the day, this is day two. The, the doctor came in and said, listen, um, we got one more test. We got to wait till the morning to go through. But it looks like you're going home tomorrow. And I was like, oh, oh, good. And they're like, that's amazing. I don't know if you've ever seen a TV show where they have the interns come and the doctor says present the case and all the white coat people around. And I'll never forget this. They came in that afternoon and the doctor said, okay, who wants to present? That's Mr. Kington. And they gave my age and the situation. And, all that. and the doctor said, okay, you know what? Let's just forget this. Mr. Kington's a freaking rock star. You will never see another case like this in your entire career. Let's go to the next room. And they walked out. And I, I was like, wow, the next day they came in. And they said, okay, we're, going, we're, we're processing you out. You're going home. In less than two and a half days, and I know it was two and a half because I got home before kickoff the next Sunday. It was a Sunday morning. And I got home before kickoff, and I went home. And I've had thoracic surgeons come up after I share this story. They're like, you were joking about that time, right? I said, no. It was two and a half days. And they're like, I, I've never heard of that. I don't know how that's possible. Well, see, I... I know a God who does the impossible. And see, in our situations where we feel hopeless, helpless, no matter whether it's physical, emotional, relational, financial, prayer is 